Dying Alive is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Penguin tickets, uh, prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Let's say you're traveling to New York. You're going to go see the Penguins play the Islanders. You're looking to get tickets as soon as you get there. You go to the Game Time app. You're worried that you're going to get one of those crazy basketball seats that gives you a restricted view of the ice. Don't worry because Game Time has in-app panoramic seat view photos from every section in the arena. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So head on over to the App Store or the Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Dying Alive All-Decade Awards. In this episode, presented by The Athletic, we will be naming seven individual awards that span between the years of 2010 and 2020. I am Pat Damp of the Penn's blog, joined as always by Jesse Marshall of The Athletic Pittsburgh, and today we're going to give our nominations of seven awards, discuss the pros and cons of each, come to a consensus, and one of them will be crowned All-Decade. Without further ado, Jesse, let's get started. What was your, was that, what were you doing there? Like, was that like your Pat Sajak? Yeah, you know, like uh, the guy who starts off the award show, like the Emmys or the Grammys. You know what this reminds me of? That episode of Seinfeld where Kramer has the uh, Merv Griffin set. Oh, he finds yeah. it oh my there. God, dude, I'm not a giant Seinfeld guy, but I have seen that episode and it's, it's yeah, that's incredible. A great one. Um... Am I picking the first award that we're going to present here? Sure, go for it. Well, kick us off. What, what one do you want to start with? Worst team. Worst team. All right, who's your nominee? Let's start out. I want to start out on a low note. <laughs> Build up from there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, let's go low, high, low again so everyone goes home disappointed today. Of course. Leave them wanting more or nothing at all, as I always say. Yeah, so I thought about this for a really long time, and for my money, there's three teams that are in contention. Okay. I am obviously – I'm not going to nominate three. I'm not going to do Who it. Who is the <laughs> nightmare of the three? I'm going with the team in 2014 that lost to the New York Rangers in the first round of the playoffs. Now, is that the final Dan Bilesma year team? Correct, Amundo. Um, well, no, no, no. This would have been uh, – this is the year with uh, only being able to play five defensemen. So this would have been Mike Johnston's first year, right? Yes. Yeah, it's Mike Johnston's first year. So that's year. the 2015 playoffs. Correct. Thank you. 2015 playoffs. My mistake. 2015 playoffs. That was the uh, – Maxime Lapierre centering the third line, yep. I believe it was. Uh, total just personalityless loss. And the one thing I'll always remember is that Paul Martin had nothing left in the tank because he had to play 35, 40 minutes a night <laughs> <laughs> because they only had because they only had five defensemen leading up to the stretch run of the playoffs. I did though, Patrick, that, that season follow the PDO run for the Penguins. And I kept convincing myself that their shitty shooting percentage wasn't their own fault. <laughs> and it was gonna it was gonna turn around and just spike up. And then I think like 
by game two of that Rangers series, I was like, no, this team just sucks. <laughs> it just sucks. That was actually also my nominee. So congratulations oh, man. to the 2014-2015 Penguins <laughs> on being the worst team. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. How close, how close were you to going with um, – because I, I let me I'll tell you my other two. Uh, Phil, the, obviously the Philly debacle. Yeah, twenty twelve was that that was rough. But there was a there was a lot of optimism with that team though because that was when Sid finally got cleared from all the concussion stuff and. No, you're and, right. And that that yeah. that all things considered, because of the ending, it's a bad team. But that team was deep. What about twenty ten? See, it's the year after a cup win, so it's really hard to call it a worst team. Yeah, I'm glad you're justifying my thinking. Like, like that that sucked because it was the last year of Melon Arena, and you don't want to go out on that note where they got halocked by the Canadians. But like, it was the year after yeah. they won a Stanley Cup. They, if I remember correctly, they beat the piss out of Ottawa in the first round that year too. Like, they just walked over Ottawa. But the reason the reason right. that I put the fourteen fifteen team obviously there's the lifeless series against the Rangers that they lose four to one it doesn't even look close that was just a painfully boring hockey team like and you think about the history of the Pittsburgh Penguins you can never with the exception of a handful of years since Mario Lemieux call them a boring hockey team. There was always That's what I said, personalityless. Like they finished fourth in the Metro and barely made the playoffs. And yep. despite having their usual Crosby, Malkin, Latang, they finished eighteenth in goals for that season. Eighteenth. Like That's a, I was telling you, I I kept telling you that that shooting percentage was gonna change sooner or later. And, and it maybe they just sucked. And then to and then and then to build on you saying Maxim Lapierre centering the third line. Here's who's, here's who's some other names that were on their game five roster. Steve Downey. Mark Letestu? Yep. No, no, no Letestu was, was gone. Was it? Letestu was gone. Okay, I was going to say, yeah. Downey. Steve Downey, I remember. Yep, that was the end of his tenure. Daniel Winnick. Wow. Blake Como and Taylor Chorney. Yeah. Like, that team was shallow. <laughs> it was Taylor Chorney played on the third pairing in the playoffs that year with Brian Dumoulin. How far we've come. Yeah. Um, okay, what's do you have? Let's go with the next uh, next one here. Let's go into the positives, and let's go with the best trade of the decade. <sighs> let's hear them. What do you got? My nominee is Patrick Hornquist. And Nick Spalling in exchange for James Neal. Okay. I know the obvious is Phil Kessel or Scuderi for Daly, but I mean, this really to me was the first step of them changing their culture as a team. You know, th- they were going to play a north south game, they were going to play in the middle of the ice as opposed to the perimeter. And you, 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 I know we try to stray from intangibles, but I mean, Patrick Hornquist just became the heart and soul of the Penguins and was a huge part of the Stanley Cup runs in 16 and 17. Yeah, I mean, but you, you arguably could have made the... I, 
I would make the argument that Phil Kessel could have won the Conn Smythe in 2016. Oh, I agree. I mean, I'm, I, it's not. I think it's it, not like from a uh, just a strictly Stanley Cup run perspective. I think Patrick Hornquist was indicative of the the changing direction of the organization. He did score in the game winner in 27 or 26 or yeah, 2017 and as well, in so. uh 2016 he scored the first goal of the playoff run against Lundqvist and then he hit an empty netter against San Jose in the cup clinching game. So he, let me let me throw this at you though, right? Because it's not just production that makes a trade good, it's also see, uh savviness per 60, which you can't you know, that's an intangible there, Patrick. But, <laughs> but one of the, one of the things I think that helps tip the scale towards Kessel for me is the amount of salary that the Leafs had to eat in that deal. Um, they they were paying one point two a lot of money. Yeah, I mean that, and that's a lot of money. So I think to some extent it leans it for me a little bit because it, it you know it, it takes. You got to give to pull that off, right? But I mean, it worked. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was a hard decision for me, and a, a part of it is I didn't want to go with the painfully obvious of Phil Kessel. Like, yeah, like I don't think there's a lot of debate that that was probably Rutherford's greatest hit was Phil Kessel. Well, and, and yeah, here's some so Nick Spalling, right? Okay, we get it. <laughs> Enough said. Yeah, I mean, like he—he's he, a throw-in. He's not who you were trying and, to get. Well, sure. And here's and Patrick Hornquist is still playing for the team, so and still contributing. So that, that's another element we have to consider here: is he's outlasted the Phil Kessel tenure. That's true. I mean, but I also think it's different players, different contracts, different different. No, but I, I and yeah, no, no, no. I don't mean that in terms of personality. Let me be clear. That's just a return on an investment discussion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And James Neal's played for four teams. 9,000 teams since Four teams? He played for Nashville, Vegas, Calgary, now Edmonton. The old old Wells driving up there on Jimmy. (laughs) Up in Edmonton. I mean, it's to be expected. We talked about that on an episode a while ago, about how if one of McDavid, Dreisaitl, or Neal goes dry, that team is screwed. Yeah. Um, okay. So, are we? What are we doing then? Are we? What's we have a winner here? Uh, I think we got to go with yours. We got to go with the Phil Kessel trade. I think you're probably right that that's that's the best of the best for old Jimmy Rutherford and of the decade, really. All right. So let's keep it in that. Let's keep it in that regard. Let's flip back to worst. What do you think was the worst trade of the decade? To me, context is very important. We might have the same one, but go ahead. I don't understand how you win two Stanley Cups and then decide that you have to trade for Ryan Reeves. Oh, we don't. So for me, that one's really bad because it was a complete and total shift from the philosophy that won championships. It backfired in less than a year. You sacrificed a player who played a role on a Stanley Cup winning team and continues uh, to produce at a respectable level for a fourth liner for St. Louis. You moved down in the draft 
And it's worth mentioning that Clem Costin just made his NHL debut. (laughs) Yeah, that trade. um, And I tried to justify it at the time, too. I wrote about it and basically said, like, it was just a matter of the Penguins getting beat up a lot through their playoff runs. and Tom Wilson. Oh, yeah. Zach Aston Reese. It was all Zach Aston Reese. Wilson broke Rutherford's brain, like, and made him think that he had to get tough rather than just beat the Caps, but... Yeah, that's a bad one. The one that I have, the trade itself is not bad. But like you said, it's context that we got to keep in mind here. The worst trade for me is Connor Sheary and Matt Hunwick to Buffalo for a 2019 conditional fourth-round pick. Doesn't sound that bad on, on its face, right? Matt Hunwick was disappointing. Connor Sheary had a down year after two really good years with Sid. But... That trade was the trade that freed up cap space for the Penguins to sign Jack Johnson. That's all I got for that one. I think it speaks for itself. Nah. I can't give you that, though. That's technicality to me. But I, like you said, it's context. Like I don't think on the whole the Reeves trade was terrible because you basically swapped fourth liners i know sunquist is more productive better in the role better for uh what the team's culture was but and then you also moved down what six spots in the draft like big deal i don't know if it was six i can't remember the exact number you may be it was right, it was but, single digits i know that but i i they really i think maybe we've got to search for a potential third option because I still don't feel like the cap space thing for me is, you know, I mean, it made me make the argument like Connor, Connor Sherry is not impactful enough, you know, like I don't, I I don't feel like, I don't feel like right now Dominic Cahoon is worse than Connor Sherry would be if he was still on the Penguins. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Okay. I got a third option. Let's hear it. I wonder if it's the same, if it's the same one I have. Then we voted in. Go ahead. I was going to say the Carl Hagelin trade. Oh, that was that's exactly what I had on my sleeve. That was exactly it. Yeah, that was exactly it. And 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 my reasoning being is that it was just like, you know, it, to me it was a, a trade that was made because there was this quote unquote aura that the team needed a trade. Yeah, it was. It was. You can't quite call it a panic move because it wasn't like things are so dire we got to make a move. But it was this – you traded Carl Hagelin for Tanner Pearson, and on its face it's not that bad. But, like, if you wanted to shake the room up, I get it, but why Carl Hagelin? Like, if, you, if, you're, if you've fallen out of love with him, he was a UFA at the end of last year. So, all right, let him walk. Like, you don't need him anymore. You don't have to re-sign him. you got plenty of guys who can step in. Yeah. And then Tanner Pearson turns into Erica Branson, which. So by, you know, correlation causation argument we were having earlier, maybe we should vote this one as the worst. Yeah, I can get, I, I can get on board with that. I th- let's go Carl Hagelin, Tanner Pearson trade. Okay. Now here's one that could be very difficult because, you know, I think, I think the most iconic of this whole category we're about to discuss 
comes outside of this decade. So you're kind of, I think, maybe searching here a little bit, perhaps. Mm. But best save. Oh, I have one that's very much in this decade. Let's hear it. It's Marc-Andre Fleury against Alexander Ovechkin in Game 7 of the 2017 Penguins Capital Series. That that was... Paint us the picture. I mean, it's it's another typical pre-2018 Penguins Capitals series. The the Capitals... Pre-2018 in here. I like that. <laughs> it, it, well, because, you know, the Caps finally slay the Dragon in 2018, go on, win the Stanley Cup, yada, yada, yada. You guys know that. Yeah. The Caps look like this unstoppable force through the regular season and right through the first round, and then here's the Penguins. Not only do the Penguins, I believe, yeah, 2017, they jump out to a 2-0 series lead. They steal two games in Washington. And the Caps even it up. It goes back and forth. We get to Game 7, and this is just the ultimate nightmare for Capitals fans. Game 7 at home against the Penguins in the second round. Go ahead and write it in the history books. The Caps are losing. It's a recurring fish. The, the Caps are losing this game. Penguins are up 2 to nothing. Alex Ovechkin is wide open. Nobody within a mile of him in the slot. How open was he? V- very, very open. O- okay, open for, open right, for business, as, as they say. All right. Clean look at Marc Andre Fleury, and he gets everything on it. And it looks ticketed for the top corner. Fleury gets a nub on it. And it is just the perfect personification and perfect moment to describe the Penguins Capitals rivalry in the playoffs to where just one little thing keeps the Caps from beating the Penguins. I don't have anything better than that. Like, I, there's not one that's, that besides that that sticks out to me in any kind of iconic way. So I'm going to go with that too. Easy one. Yeah, and I mean, like, the, the other obvious one I'm sure you were thinking of was the Secret Service save, right? Game 7 in Detroit. Secret Service save? Mark Hunt. You mean the flurry yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, okay. I've never heard it referred to that as the Secret Service save before. Yeah, because he dove in front of a bullet. Okay. Um, what do we got next? Well, unfortunately... we got to go to the opposite of save. Well, I was going to say, unfortunate of, uh, unfortunately, though, we only have two worst categories. So let's go with the opposite of save. Let's go with best goal of the decade. Worst save. We don't have a worst save. What was the ugliest save? <laughs> Of the decade. I mean, go watch a Marc-Andre Fleury highlight reel. <laughs> well, you could argue that no save is bad. You could. That's a very philosophical way to look at it. So let's go with best goal. Uh, uh, overtime, Washington Capitals, game six, Nick Benino. That is a very good one. With that little, like, little no-look turnaround little whacker there but i was the uh you know that run of being shorthanded as much as humanly possible is always a memorable comeback as well um yeah that's my one it was just that the, you know the setting over time right 
uh, the 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 hockey night in Punjab call that came afterwards. The Benino, Benino, Benino. It was. It stands out, I think, for you know a lot of the memes that came afterwards. And I can't prove it. Meme ability is important here. I can't prove it. If anybody on the Penguins front office staff listens to this show, feel free to let us know. They don't. <laughs> I think when they played, when they hit the horn again after it was officially over, they put it at a higher level just to rub it in. Because mm. you watch that highlight of it, and when like the horn initially stops and they play party hard and party hard fades out and they hit the horn again, it sounds twice as loud. May have to look into that. For me, get our experts yeah, on we it. We gotta get we gotta get uh, somebody there to measure crowd noise. I think the goal I'm going with is of Genny Malkin in 2012 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I thought you were gonna go with uh, just right back to 2009 Carolina. Just usurp the decade rule and drink from the <laughs> the eternal well of the Malkin Carolina goal. It's, that one, if it was within the decade, I would have picked it, but. His Hey, do me a favor. If in like 60 years, oh, 60, hell, I'm not going to be that old. Um, what's a good, I'm going to go 40. If in 40 years, Pat, you can put like live uh, 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 GIFs on your tombstone, put that Malkin one on there for me. Before, on before I uh, do a visual of this goal, we got to have a talk. <laughs> Why do you pronounce that word? What word? You know, those uh, videos without sound that we see on Twitter all the time. GIFs. I am so disappointed in you. It's not GIF. It's GIF. No, it's Jeff. It, the creator calls it GIF. GIF is a peanut butter. Thank you very much. No. It's not it's, a GIF. It's a GIF. It's a GIF. Anyway. Anyway, we can argue about this. <laughs> this is like, this is honestly, to me, this is the equivalent of you telling me that the earth's flat. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, like, go ahead, Pat. That's fine. See you at the conference, bud. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an NBA player. I think the earth is round, but yeah, the, it's not just, the, the Evgeny anyway. Malkin goal against Tampa in 2012 was just like great Evgeny Malkin theater to where he gets the puck at the top of the circle in the defensive zone, gets up the top speed in like three, four strides, walks through, everyone on Tampa Bay and then just sneaks it five hole on Rollison. And like if, and I know that this is a very loose comparison, right? But if Sidney Crosby is Wayne Gretzky, Evgeny Malkin is Mario Lemieux. The, the mm-hmm. fact that he is big, he is fast and he has more finesse than anybody else on the ice, and it really difficult to haul him down. And like in this, in this goal, you can just tell Tampa knows shit. He's got a head of speed, and he's beating all of us. Yeah, that's a good one. It's cool. We got to pick a winner. It's really hard for me to go against my vote, just because I love that goal, but. Man, do I love beating the Capitals in the playoffs. Um, that's what I'm going with. I mean, obviously I picked it. So Yeah, I'll take I'll take yours on this one. With 
Malkin's goal being like one B. So this here's the thing, right? All decade MVP. It's a tough one. Yeah, but I can't not pick Sidney Crosby. I can not pick Sidney Crosby. Because two con Smythes is like how, how do you wait against that? But but that's just two playoff seasons. <laughs> you know what I mean? In a ten year span. You got eight 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 whole other yeah. years to to pick from. I mean you guys you could make an injury argument, right? Well what I was gonna say, which obviously this shows I'm gonna pick his counterpart of Genny Malkin. So mm-hmm. ran the numbers when I looked this up. What if Pat? What if the MVP is the friends who made him along the way? <laughs> uh, it's just it's just the friends we made along the way. That's all it is. But between 2010 and 2019, and let's say in this we're counting the 2009-2010 season, since we're in 2019-2020 right now. Evgeny Malkin has 279 goals. 420 assists, blaze it, and 699 points. And if we don't count the 09-10 season, and we go... Is that 69-9 points? Yeah, I'll give it to you. Nice. Nice. (laughs) And if we don't count 09-10, and we just go from 10 and 11 and ahead, 251 goals, 371 assists, 622 points. And what I will add, like you said, with injury, he essentially carries the team between 2011 and 2013 while Sid's recovering. And then also carried it, carried it to what? I mean, do you like, like, let's say you take Gino out of the equation. (laughs) I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Oh, for sure. And to build on your devil's advocate, I would say if you don't have Evgeny Malkin, they're, they're probably a very pedestrian, not playoff team. Cause you're looking at Jordan Stahl, who while good is not enough to carry a team too far. Like he, he did okay in 2011 when both Sid and Gino were hurt against Tampa Bay. And then Chris Letang wasn't quite Chris Letang yet. He was getting there. But then you add on, he has seven regular season hat-tricks in this decade, two playoff hat-tricks, and then his playoffs are just as impressive. 106 total playoff points, 39 goals, 67 assists. Like he's, I think for the, 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 I think overall in this era, Crosby's your MVP. But I think in the 2010 to 2020, you got to give it to Evgeny Malkin. All right. You convinced me. That's fine. <laughs> Had my case ready to go. Litigated part that of the, court. Well, I was going to say part of the problem is you, you brought – like you did research and I, as usual, showed up for the test unprepared. <laughs> it's so. usually the exact opposite on this podcast. It's usually me who comes in like, yeah, you know, I watched the condensed game and looked at some charts. Well, whomst among us truly prepares? You are correct, sir. Um, the final word of the night. Best team of the decade, Jesse Marshall. Who is your all-decade best team? Well, I I obviously 
narrowed it down to the team that has Jerome McGinley and loses to the Boston Bruins in the Eastern Conference Final. And what that team really could have accomplished, perhaps if, you know, things had been coached out a different way <laughs> in terms of, you know, players playing on the right side of the ice. And then you have these two cup winning teams, right, in 16 and 17. I think if we did, I, I think if we did an award for most disappointing team, 2013 would be it. There you go. And I, and I, I am, I end up going with 2016 because the 2017 team in a lot of ways caught lightning in a bottle and defied the odds. Whereas the 2016 team was just buzz sawing people uh, and was hot at the right time. And it had this wild card speed element that nobody had ever seen before. And, um, to me, they were innovative. They were relentless. Um, they made short work of a ton of good teams and goaltenders. Um, and I just thought were a little bit more thorough in their results. So you're going with the, I guess you could say, literal definition of best team. Like the stack them up on paper and what they can do as opposed to just like what you think was the best team of the decade, like the one that was that meant more and all of that, right? Um, I guess so. I mean, I, I guess what I'm thinking in my head is, is if I took that 2016 team and we in a vacuum that, um, you know, heads up to heads up with every other team in the decade, I think they would win. Yeah, that's fair. I kind of I went the opposite. I went with I went the next year. I went 2017 Cup winning team. Just because obviously they repeat, their depth gets tested in the playoffs because Latang gets hurt and they don't have him for the run. And there wasn't a cupcake series in that run at all. Five really hard games against Columbus, seven against Washington, seven against Ottawa, six against Nashville. They still managed 50 wins that year. But that wasn't even enough to win the Metro. Yeah, and I, I don't know that there were any cupcake uh, series the first go-around either, though, especially when you go to start out with Jeff Zatkoff. Yeah, but they were just so much better than that Rangers team in 2016. Like, that was a complete mismatch. Like, like the, like, yeah, but I, I, I think that's they, I think that's bolstering my argument for the 2016, though. Because they they were that much better than most of the teams that they played. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I'm not going with like best as in most talented or. Yeah, it, I think you could also say that maybe that 2016 Washington team was better you, than the 20. Yeah, you probably could, but they, but yeah, but again, like the Penguins managed 50 wins in 2017. Washington finished ahead of them. Like the one and two, the one yeah. and two teams in 2017 in the NHL's overall standings were the Caps and then the Penguins, and then you bring in that's also Flurry's swan song in 2017. He beats the Blue Jackets, beats the Caps. Murray takes over against the Sens, and to go back on what you were saying about Sid, and by the way, by the way, Pat, that Blue Jacket series was kind of a cakewalk. 
Yeah, no. I mean, like, they're they're always hard to play against. Like, you're definitely coming out of that series bruised and beat up. Like, you weren't coming out of that Rangers series in 2016 all be, all banged up. Like, the Blue Jackets make you play a hard style of hockey to get get through. Well, sure, but it was it, to, it, to devil's advocate again, it was harder for them to get any more banged up. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that about... Uh, that, Especially in that, that about that about sums up the entire history decade. history of the franchise. <laughs> it's harder to get more banged up than yeah. this team. But yeah, uh, that's really that's really that. If there's a what's the antithesis? Least valuable player? <laughs> How about health? Yeah, health. <laughs> but just overall but health to, is the LVP of the decade. To, to kind of build on what you're saying about Sid when you're talking decade MVP, getting the two con smites. Sid did not lead the Penguins in scoring in 2017 playoffs. Gino did. No, you're right. And and you know what's funny is um it there were so many and I you know let me tell you a story. I uh, was on this uh trip yeah because I was uh, looking I was talking to a couple guys within the Athletic about Mike Mike Babcock and um which we'll get to in another episode. If you listen to the episode of Dying Alive, the regular episode, we talk about Mike Babcock. Um, but they were equating it to you know Babcock being sort of quote unquote antiquated and him sharing these these traits with Mike Sullivan or not Mike Sullivan, Mike Johnston, right? And how Keith and Sullivan, uh, that sounds like Keith or Sutherland, get it? Keith and Sullivan um, <laughs> were also similar in how they want to like kind of take the top off it and let them roam, you know, let them go out and, and play the way they want. Um, and there, there were these sort of like parallels and I was going back through older stuff I had written, um, and, and through Twitter at the time and reading what people were saying, uh, and people were just destroying Sidney Crosby, um, for the middle portion of that playoff run. Where's 87 at? Is he going to show up? But, and then, you know, what won the con Smythe was just flat out the performance against Nashville specifically in the last three games alone. And he was that superhuman in those three games that it was like, oh, it's good enough for the trophy. <laughs> I got to give it to him now, you know? <laughs> um, but, you know, there were there were portions that year where he wasn't scoring goals. Do you remember the the, the argument on on whether or not um, it, it – like, you know, he wasn't scoring a ton. He wasn't getting scored on a ton. Um, but he was getting a lot of assists and people were like, well, assists on his valuable as goes, buddy. You know, <laughs> there's those weird arguments people were having about like I don't it's, know. It's it the it's the dumbest time. argument. I mean, like I, I can't yeah. remember who it was. There was somebody, and forgive some Jamoke. I don't know if I'd even say Jamoke. I'm trying to remember who it was, and I can't. But in the Nashville series, they were like, "Oh, you know, if they keep this up, like they're not winning this series." It's like they just won. Like we're not talking about game five of the season. Like. We're officially in the time of just win. It doesn't matter how you win; just win the damn game. Uh, so, well, this, what do we think for this team was, of the best team of the decade? I'm going with 2016. I think I'm going to join you. I think I am. Just be, you know what I think. You know what I think, though. I'll 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 put this point on it. I had this argument with a couple of my buddies that I grew up with because we were talking about it after the Penguins won the Cup in 17, the second Stanley Cup. We were talking about of the three that happened between 09, 16, 17, which one meant more to us. And I said 16 meant more to me than 09. 
Because 09 felt like this is just the start of a dynasty. Like, they're just going to walk through the NHL, win a bunch of cups, and this is just the first one. 16, you appreciated a hell of a lot more. Agree. Yeah. Well, you you know, that drought was long. It was long. (laughs) We went through a lot of stuff. We ever suffered. As a fan during that, that, that drought. Yeah, so I agree with you. This is fun. I like this idea. No, good idea. We gotta do more of this stuff. If you have if you have uh, ideas, tweet them at us at Dying Pod on uh, Twitter. We'll, we'll we'll do more of this, uh, especially uh, for uh, subscribers. And um, don't forget to check out the regular episode of uh, Dying Alive uh, this week as well. Thank this you. This is the Dying Alive All Decade Awards Show. Go listen to the regular episode. <laughs>